0: the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. Encouraging you to stay on your spiritual
2: path. I like that. Hey everybody, that's that's a very hip way to start the day. <laughs> it sounds very hip. So why don't you tell our listeners about <laughs> say yes to spirit? <laughs> See now I'm gonna be punished for making a point of the is a new way of starting. Uh, Leslie uh Leslie, I would be Leslie, you'd be Tracy. Yes has a need Thank for uh certain <laughs> Okay then. Is uh a need for certain things, you know w- rituals, I guess, would be would we say that rituals are important to me? Routines. Certain things happening a certain way. Things I'm trying No, no, that's not what I was I <laughs> rituals and nice.
0: I yeah, I get, if you do something a, one
1: time, <laughs> if you do something one time, it that is now the ritual. <laughs> the are very, it's a very it is very comforting and i, and I comforting, just to forget that place. I was doing <laughs> say yes to spirit. Because, see all of my <laughs> personal shows and seminars. That's how I start, "Hey everybody, Tracy Brown here." Do you really? Uh-huh. And but I forgot. that <laughs> But say yes to spirit. I'm supposed to say Welcome. Welcome to say yes to spirit. <laughs> you always say welcome. Welcome, you're listening to say you've yes to said spirit. Said that
2: 150 times. See, so yeah, but what would, about the other seven? Times? It,
1: would, it
2: would seem reasonable
1: that I would point that out. Okay, let's start over.
0: Welcome. <laughs> You're
1: listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. and we are so glad
2: you joined us today. Now is that better? I feel see it. It's a soothing. It's a soothing to me to have that. And and perhaps as we talk about saying yes to spirit, we'll discover that that soothing. You know that I could be equally soothed when you say hey there. Did you say hey there? Hey everybody. Hey everybody. Yes. That's really. So perhaps the soothing should be there, regardless if I'm saying yes to spirit. I guess that's the idea of the show, isn't it? How does our life change when we're saying yes to spirit? Mm-hmm. Apparently I'm not saying yes to spirit very much i'm wanting to i'm wanting to you're wanting to be in control. Stand the human side of it. it's a ritual that you are familiar with in and this world and where
1: the <sighs> There is infinite possibility. (laughs) You know, we could have 157 shows and have 157 different ways of beginning the show. I would
2: fall apart.
1: But, you know, isn't it
2: nice if I use the word ritual? It sounds so much nicer than even routine or perhaps that evil word you used a rigid. But I like the word (laughs) ritual.
1: It it makes me
2: sound more
1: spiritual in my
2: rigidity. Okay, so now
1: that we've entertained the people who are used to listening to us and like, oh, this is so Tracy and Leslie, uh, we may have someone listening for the very first time. And so, um, seriously, why don't you tell them a little bit about... I wouldn't be the
2: one you turn to for that.
1: ...about uh, Say Yes to Spirit and what we're talking
2: about today. We started this show years and years ago trying to uh, encourage ourselves to look at all things through the question of how would I respond if I was saying yes to spirit. And understanding for me to understand that that question applies to whether or not I'm interacting with the guy at 7-Eleven. Do you notice I always use 7-Eleven as my example? Some people might say Tom Thumb or, or um, what's that big Costco or something? Do you think it's odd that I do all my shopping at 7-Eleven? That's all my examples. But anyway, so, you know, whatever I'm doing, if I'm interacting with someone at Costco or I'm interacting with someone at church or someone at my workplace or whether I'm just um, having my own day with the freedom to do whatever I want to do with my day, how does it change if I'm saying yes to Spirit? So the idea, that was the idea behind the show and to remind ourselves and to remind other people about the conversation. I'm all into the conversation. I love those people that know me. I love conversation. I love talking about it. I love thinking about it. I love pondering it is my word. And I perhaps ponder way too much, but it's really, I have no two-legged children, so I have lots of pondering time. But I think it's really important to get in those conversations with people all around us all the time to, to try to help each other deepen into that question, how would I be different? How would I do different? How would I feel different if I was saying yes to spirit? That's what I think this show is about, Tracy. And every
1: week we have a theme. Yes. So our theme this week is sacred self. Mm. And um, also every week
2: we have a ritual.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And this is the ritual music.
2: Yes, that makes you feel very soothed and cared for. About connecting the dots to last week's thing, which was salvation. And, you know, these last two weeks have just been too easy because the idea for me, in terms of when we're talking about salvation, the idea of being saved from something, but living in a state of salvation certainly connects very easily to a sacred self, because at the core of all of us, I believe, is spirit, that oneness, that, that it. And so the sacred self is salvation, one and the same. So we can just kind of pick a different topic, because we talked about it last week, one and the same. Kidding. But anyway, I think it's the same, it's at it's it's, it's, it's the core of who I am, there's that sacred self, core of who we all are and we're just some of us are more aware of our salvation state and less aware of our sacred self state. There you go. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and that that's what's <laughs> most That's all that matters. Like. I enjoy it. Own it was good tonight. for me. I'm Whether we seeing.
1: like it or not. <laughs> so uh, that's <laughs> Connect the Dots, and uh, we're going to take a one-minute break. Um, So grab a cup of tea or some water or stretch your legs and uh, we'll be back right after this break. back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie, and our theme today is Sacred Self. If you are online listening by, if you're listening on the computer, please know that you can dial in. If you have a comment or question, the number is area code 347-850-1523. If you are listening by phone and you want to ask a question or make a comment, please remember to dial the number one, which will have the effect of raising your hand, and we will know to uh, open your line. Otherwise, we'll just assume that you are listening by phone because you're mobile and not sitting at a computer.
2: I like your being desk.
1: mobile. Mobile exciting. I love being mobile, and we've both done the, phone, done the show <laughs> by phone on more occasion than one so that we could be mobile. Um, so, Sacred Cells. Um, What does that mean to you? You already kind of started that conversation in the connected dots.
2: Sacred self. Sacred self. Core self means to me. I think of core self. I think of the essence of self. I think of the truth of who I am, which I believe to be literally God, literally the drop of the ocean, the, the same, the exact same components. Of the big God, the big ocean is in me. Within me, the drop, the sacred self. Um, uh, I was having a conversation with someone last week and talking about the the line that Jesus said, "Greater works than these ye shall do." Is that a close uh, close? Uh, yes, rendition of that quote. And so the idea that over time we've, you know, created this this idea that Jesus was a one-time kind of thing and that that was Jesus and only Jesus. And, you know, I really believe that at the essence Jesus was awakened to the truth of himself and that all of us have that same essence. And it's just a a state of being more awakened, more aware, more in tune, more connected. And how often do I... See live for my sacred self and how often do I live from my fearful self? How often do I live from my nervous self? How often do I live from myself that needs ritual? Which we're using the word ritual and we're never saying that word rich again. But, you know, which self am I living from really is the question. You know that There's sounded so like many. a dare. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And see,
1: so now you'll have to
2: say it like all oh, day.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh. you know. <laughs>
2: Another you could synesis. have just left it
1: You'll roll. use it in
2: other sentences. The rigid wall of something.
1: Yes. Go ahead. It was fine. It, I, it was fine. Now it's like I have to
0: use go ahead, that word. Go ahead.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. That was not an invitation. Hey. That was a dare. Yeah. Well, there you oh, go. All how we hear things, really. I think, right? So, um, Wayne Dyer has a book called Your Sacred Self. Oh wow, a whole book. We only have an hour. And the (laughs) subtitle is Making the Decision to be Free. Oh. And it makes me think about this idea that if I am living from that place within me that knows what is sacred, Mm -hmm. am I free?
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: And in some ways it's like, oh, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I'm free because anything that anybody else does to me
0: mm-hmm. or
1: around me doesn't change or shift me from that place of being, of knowing that I am a sacred being. And so I don't have to react. And I may have to respond in a way that creates some boundaries, or I may have to respond in a way that says, no, that's you know, that's not who I am, and I'm not going to join you in that. Right. But that's not reacting. I'm not feeling defensive. I'm not feeling um, trapped, mm-hmm. maybe feeling I have to go along with the mm-hmm. crowd, mm-hmm. because if I'm really operating from my sacred self, I have a divine guidance. Yes. That steers me in the right direction, that helps me make good choices. Yes. That is the answer of love to whatever the question is. Mhm. And it's like, oh yeah, if I if I believed I could live from that place, there would be an element of complete freedom. Yes. Not that I had attained a goal, but that I am free to be who I am in any situation.
2: And the, and the I am would be the capital I am. freedom yeah. lives live from I am. You know, it's interesting. I heard a conversation between Oprah, my favorite person in human form, and Eckhart Tolle, his voice just always makes me very nervous. But anyway, I like him. But anyway, so they were having a conversation. And they were talking about... How Oprah said when she looks back over the body of this was after she had retired from her show over the body of the 25 years of her show that she'll look at some shows and she'll be like, "Wow, that was really good," and she'll be like surprised at how good the show was. Yet while she was doing it, she didn't have any sense of it being anything you know that that profound. And Eckhart said he'll read his books and he'll read excerpts of it and he'll be like wow that was really smart or wiser that's really in tune that's really right and he's like oh wow i wrote that and and it it wasn't a state of ego it was like but they were so much in the flow yes and i experienced that when i do therapy and i am aware that i'll say things that i don't i don't I don't know. I don't have a basis for it. I didn't learn in a book. I didn't study 30 years ago and remember it now. And I had an experience in a group on uh, last week in the Dalkine Jail where I do some work with a woman who um, had her parents were heroin addicts and the long and short of it is they told her one day we're going to the zoo and they put her 12-year-old brother and her 8-year-old self into a car took her to a park, pulled her out, and said, we'll be back, we forgot something, and drove off with her brother and left her there. And that was the end of her seeing her parents until 30 years later. She never saw them again. She was raised in a Catholic home. And the essence of her feeling, the emotion of all that trickling out, and she had a very clear memory of sitting underneath this tree and playing with the grass and being excited about the zoo and then how that shifted to anxiety of wondering where they were and then panic and fear, and then night came... And she recanted that story and I was very aware that everybody, there's 20 women in this room, everybody was going down that story everybody's emotions were there. And I did this exercise and I've been a therapist for 30 years, a long time much older than I sound. And I did this exercise in the board that I have never done before, never thought of before. I wasn't thinking of it as she was talking. It just occurred. And it occurs to me that's the sacred self. And if... And what happens is then I have choices. When we're walking out of the jail, the interns and the volunteers are like, oh, my gosh, how did you think of that? What did you think of And I have this opportunity to say, well, I thought of it because I'm so wise and I've been doing therapy for so long and I'm such a smart person. Or I could say it wasn't me, it was God, and they could think I'm a nut. Or, you know, so, I'm just like, you know, I, so I chose the latter. I said, you know, to be honest with you, I don't, it's not me, it's something that flows through me and, you know, it really is. And... But it's so fascinating in those moments. And then how do I, how do I, how do I acknowledge it and feel good about it? Because I thought about it all week and I thought, man, that was good. I need to write that down, you know. But how do I not get in the ego of it and say, man, look what I did. And how do I allow it to be what it is? And this is why we need a camera because Tracy's laughing at me now. But, you know, that's okay. So it's such an interesting thing, though, you know. So the sacred self, I think that was the sacred self coming out. And now how do I not let the human muck it up? There you go. There's a question. That's a great question.
1: Um, And, and, you know, I think the easy answer, not necessarily the easiest to implement, but the easy answer is, you know, one of the reasons we do our spiritual practice every day is to remind ourselves that the power is not us, but we have access to it. Mm-hmm. and that the spiritual practice is what keeps us in, in access to it or in partnership with it. And, of course, it will then express because there is an open venue, there is an open window door, you know, there's an open place for it. So, of course, I'm going to have even more and more experiences like that. Um, but I love I love that example because so often in prayer... Uh, so often, as a as a spiritual practitioner or spiritual coach, in sessions with clients, or in teaching a class, even if I've you know done my prayer work before and I'm teaching a class and someone asks a question or a situation occurs, and knowing that spirit knows what to do, it works out beautifully better than i could have imagined and to be reminded like that's what i'm striving for all the time that's to be what in that yeah right for right, right. and so i you know then the human doesn't take over because you know my spiritual practice every day reminds me that i it I, the i am is me and the i am is operating through me as me mm-hmm. but it's the capital i am mm-hmm. that is doing it. So, yeah, you you were the vehicle through mm-hmm. which that occurred, and you know you didn't think of it. I mean, you know, right. analytically. I didn't, yeah, it wasn't, yeah. And you weren't sitting there going, Planning oh, because ahead. she said A, B, and C, right. I need to do X, Y, and Z. Right. Um. And so, yeah, I don't, for me at least, I don't, I don't know how... The human voice to take ownership of that.
2: Oh, mine can. (laughs) Look what I did. (laughs) Yours can't. Mine can really easily. Mine immediately starts to try to take credit for it. (laughs) And then when other people make comments on it, mine's like, oh, yes, we did do that. Oh, yes, we are very special. Oh, yes. Well, if you, you can only hope to be as good as I am one day.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if it's... I didn't say it, you that, know, but I'm just saying I had to... If it's expressing thought. internally as we, it's like, well, who's the we? <laughs> me and God. Me and God, God ah, and me. right. But if it's expressing internally as I did this mm-hmm. and
2: I am so smart and mm-hmm. I am so good, uh, yeah, that's a different thing. You know, that's interesting, And having spoken to Eckhart Tolle earlier. I was fascinated. You know, he had that overnight um, transformation that I'm so jealous of. That's probably what keeps me from it, and I envy it and and bitter and resentful that he had it and I don't. But anyway, he had this overnight experience where he was just drastically depressed, very suicidal. And then he had this moment, and I heard him describe it in this conversation with Oprah that I had not really understood. He said he had this... um, sentence in his head and your sentence made me think of it where he used the word we and in that moment he questioned well who's the we I'm just me who's the we and then he just tumbled into this awareness that there was this duality illusion but that at the core self the only sacred self, the real self, true self that was the I am, and then it never, he never went back off of that, which is the part that I'm jealous and resentful and bitter about. But, he, you know, that, that sense of we gives us a clue. Even if we're not in awareness of it, there's always a sense of somehow we, and that does give us a clue that there's something else within us operating, co-creating.
1: Yeah, and, you know, it's it's interesting because in... New thought, not new age, but in new thought, ancient wisdom, this idea, and you know, it's not unusual for people to say, you know, the I am is me, I am God. And people from a more traditional Christian or Judeo-Christian background hear that on the surface and think, well, that's blasphemous because... You know, God is God and you are you. And, you know, and, and, but even in that language of, you know, I am God, it's, you know, the longer, fuller sentence is, I am God expressing uniquely as me. Right. I am, I am the one, I am the, that I am doing what I'm supposed to do. Right. Because that's the only way that life can express in this unique way and each one of us is unique. So in that sense, even though we you know, we believe there is no duality, there is no good or bad, there is only God and there's only God or good expressing, my life is God expressing. So I the human eye is in partnership with the spiritual Mm eye to have what is a physical human experience. Right. And so in that sense, you know, it's like, yeah, if it's coming up in your subconscious as we, we, look what we did, Mm -hmm. Um, there's a deeper level of awareness of the partnership Mm. between the human eye and the eternal eye, Mm. if that makes any sense. However, I do agree that from an if the ego is strong and powerful, mm-hmm. even with the we, it's it's it can be interpreted as yeah, God help me look good, but yeah. I'm the one who looks good. I'm the one exactly right. Go on now, and um and and you're right. I think it gets that gets fed if that ego perspective is being fed. It's sometimes really difficult. To separate from that, Mm -hmm. and
2: to like kind of put it in a box and say thank you very much for providing the vehicle of which, (laughs) yeah, your participation. But that is an interesting concept that it said that I hadn't really thought about that. Perhaps that at the deepest level of the of the music of the concert, that every piece gets to have its. um, um, appreciation for participating in the event, you know, because it takes the human, you know, it takes the voice, it takes the body, it takes the hand, it takes, and it takes the spirit to come, you know, through with the, 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 the right information at the right time. And it takes, you know, a willingness on all the other parts of my mind. Does everyone have different parts, you know, that they kind of sit down and they're quiet while I, <laughs> it's like everybody working together is really a, It's a symphonic bliss, right? Right, right. No, not so much.
1: I'm sure there are listeners going, (laughs) that's me, (laughs) that's right. I get that. I like that little voice, Tracy. I like that last (laughs) week, woman. She thinks just like I do. All those
2: little voices going. And the sacred self, going back to what you talked about being free, um, you know I'm constantly reminded of the twelve step philosophy the twelve step wisdom is something that says something basically about um I work so hard to change the outside um and nothing really ever changes and when I start to work on the inside, everything changes even if nothing changes on the outside, yes. And it's a really true statement that there's a freedom. And there was a another conversation I had with someone earlier in the week. We were talking about the concept of, you know, having to be aware of, you know, the, the, the sort of um, Earth Day response that we need to have. We need to be living a conscious life and, you know, be conscious of our choices and understand our, Um, you know, the importance of staying in prayer about our government or staying in, you know, holding sacred space for good in the world and the oceans not to implode on themselves. And um, the idea of doing all of that and making that a priority and then kind of the concept of what if I just lived in this free state of I am the I am and things work out and regardless of how things look, it's all going to be fine, and just kind of having this, you know, quote-unquote Pollyannish kind of peace in the moment. There's a true freedom in that, and, and, and then we came to this idea that if everybody, if we get enough people, that tipping point kind of idea, that if we get enough people living just in the freedom of that Zen individual spirit flowing freely, then all that's wrong, quote, unquote, with government or all that's in distress about the earth or all that's, you know, out of alignment would just come into alignment. If each individual to the tipping point was living their zen-like life, that would all, it wouldn't take effort. It wouldn't have to be a cause. It wouldn't have to be something we'd have to work at or co-create. It would just be. Does that make sense? Yeah, really deep, I think. Boy, gosh, that Leslie... She can go deep and but I like the idea. And okay, it sounds right, like right. much less yeah, work. So just back up <laughs> it sounds like much less work to do. Back up, and be. So we back up mm. just a minute. Mm.
0: What
1: did you just say? I
2: like that Leslie. Is that is that what we're looking at? Yeah, Boy that Leslie. Leslie Leslie's doing it. <laughs> yes, how about that? The ego, perhaps, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right, Tracy Brown. But very smart and wise,
1: very Mm. deep wisdom, yes. And that then begs the question. There you go. Is it the purpose of living the human experience for everything to be Zen-like? Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be the idea. I don't think, I think so. through walls. Get to that point. I don't think that's the human experience of life. I think that's some think other that's experience the opportunity. of life. I think so that's the
2: opportunity to to no. be completely spirit-filled in every moment of every day of every second. Why do we do this show, Tracy Brown?
1: To say yes to spirit.
2: <laughs> Which create. And to be create. filled with
1: spirit as you experience the human as you live the human experience. It doesn't mean that nothing ever happens that rocks you. It's that you then stand on the rock ah. the step of falling off that you're able to face what are human experiences. Mm. So if life is eternal mm-hmm. and the human experience is just, you know, 80 years of that,
2: Ninety two. Ninety two for you. Here. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, number one, years is a human measure metric right. right. around passage of time. Oh so true. And so but let's say let's just, let's imagine yes that this concept of
2: years time is real. Let's just go there yes.
1: just for the sake of right. sake of this example. Mm-hmm. And so but but your life is eternal. Right. So for ninety two years you are living, you're in this earth, this body, this earth suit, and you're living 92 years of your eternal experience as a human being experiencing human life. Right. right. So there may be nine. the next 92 years or the previous 92 years that you were living a completely different Absolutely. experience. Absolutely, true. That. true that. But the human experience... Right. In this body. ...is, I don't believe... And it's just my opinion. This is not any expert. I, <laughs> I don't could, believe that the human experience, experience is meant to be with no hiccups or no challenges or no fears. You know, we have this whole range of emotions that are human emotions, and and we—it's—they're so all good. They're all to be experienced. Well, you can't experience all of them if you're just sitting in a room or going through. You can't go through. Anyway, I don't believe that that's the human <laughs> the purpose of the human experience. I think that the purpose of the human experience is to
0: choose
1: to experience it from a place that is so deeply grounded in spirit that you go through it and you still are grounded.
2: So the human experience, what I'm hoping for (laughs) is an awakening experience that I become more and more and more and more awake, aware, so that as as the experience happens, I come back through this natural I am state. That the experience does not happen. I'm not like floating in this empty room going through walls, floating. I'm experiencing... The car wreck or the bump toe or you know things are happening to my physical body, but my 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 response to that is out of an awakened state instead of, and people because, you know I've come in and out of this for years when you when I wasn't awakened people don't know quite what to do with that. When you immediately go into oh this wreck is the coolest thing it's something something good's gonna come of this I don't know if I'm gonna meet somebody I don't know if I'm gonna do something I don't know if I'm gonna make fifty bucks off the insurance you know something good's gonna come out of this you know if you flip right into that that's very odd in our human world but to me to to be in that awakened state of you know whatever's happening is got to be it's a it's a lesson it's a learning it's a thing it's a it's all working for my good. It's this huge stream of everything around me. All the cells are on my side. The cards are stacked in my favor, kind of thing. It's a very different response to the human experience.
1: You know, I was recently teaching a class, and we were having that, this a similar conversation. And of course, someone in the class naturally, this could be this could have been predicted. Uh, brought up, um, you know, but everything's not good. And it's like that's in theory, and that's but everything's not good. People get cancer, and people <coughs> cars are totaled, right. and people have, um, you know. She gave like five examples, just oh. right off the top of cancer had. always the
2: first though, isn't it's it? Cancer, cancer somehow, and I'm this was of
1: course. You know, <clears throat> and the same thing comes up any time there are things, you know, happening in the world. You know, we could go back to 9-11 or, you know, we could talk about any big event that happens that's related to terrorism or natural disaster. And and so we had this great conversation about the difference between being grounded in the spiritual truth, yes. looking for the good, Claiming that their good must come from this—that right. that's one thing—and and how do you do that? But not do spiritual bypass, not so go there and and deny the experience and the outcome of the experience. So, for example, when I had the car wreck, yes, the car accident and totaled my and my car was totaled. You know, it was an interesting challenge to keep my eyes and heart open for the good that was coming out of that. Right. And at the same time, not deny or ignore the fact that my body hurt, that I was going to miss my car, how much I actually loved my car. You did love that car? How that was a you know? great car. And how much I was—it it was the car was so much a part of me and my identity. Yes. <laughs> and you know, in ways I didn't even know. Yes. Until I had to face the reality that I wasn't going to have that car anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a part. I, and that's a good thing. thing. Okay. Go ahead. And so that there's that part of. If I have a car accident, my car hydroplaned and went into a retainer wall. So if I immediately am saying, I don't know how, but this is like the best thing that's happened to me this week or this month, and not also seeing and acknowledging that, wow, because of the accident or the result of the accident, my back hurts and I need to take action on that. I think it's a both-and. I think so often we do a spiritual bypass. We say, oh, there must be good, and so we refuse. It's like we have, we're have we grasping. We have this tension around there must be good without acknowledging what's challenging about it. That's not so much to label that bad. What happens for most people is they look at what the challenges are, and they get so caught up in that they can't see the good, the human experience is, you know, and then all their conversation is about the back pain and the car and the folks who fixed my brakes last week must have screwed it up and that's why my car hydroplane cause you know, blah 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 and I'm gonna sue them and you know, I could have been there easily, you know, and oh I better go find a doctor, I'm gonna get all the money I can from the insurance company and you know, but the reality was, you know, I really didn't feel pain or disorientation or unconsciousness at the accident site. I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't find a reason to go to the hospital, you know, except if I wanted to create a paper trail for the insurance company so I could maybe get some money later. And I did go to the doctor later, but I didn't need to go to the hospital that night. So for me that's the the challenge finding standing firmly with faith in that place that there is good that must come of this, there is some good in this, and at the same time not being in denial about what's hard or what's scary or what doesn't feel good or what pain my
2: physical body might be in. And you, For me, it's just such a gamut. I like that word, gamut. Isn't that a good word? It's, it's a great it's word. It's a good word. She so full of self-affirmations today. It's, this, it's like I'm i have so extreme in my experiences. I've been so human and so spirit. And in those moments of pure spirit, it's like that other doesn't really exist. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's like it's on a shelf somewhere. And in those moments where I'm pure, I don't have a sense of, of any of the difficulties. And that's why people think it's cause it's, a, it's an altered state, quote unquote. It's an altered state to what we're used to seeing. Because... It just doesn't exist. It's not there. I am the I am in those moments, in those splits of seconds, or whatever it is that I've experienced it. It is wholly there. I have been wholly there. And then there's everything in between, to the extent of, you know, I am, I am suicidal. Life's not worth living. This will never end. You know, I have gone to all in between. So, so it's interesting to see how. And I guess this is what I'm most grateful for: is the observer eye, or the the ability that I have most of the time to see the 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 um, the choices, see the choices. And it was interesting. At the end of the day, we came down for this woman who's now 35, who started um, shooting heroin when she was 15 in the Catholic school. Back to the little girl in the jail. We came down to because she had this whole list of all these really deep seated emotions of. Of course, she interpreted it that she had done something wrong and they took the brother and they didn't take her. And she had all these feelings that she'd never dealt with and never been in therapy, never gone through any kind of grief counseling. The children's home didn't provide any kind of safe space for her to talk about her experience. So here she is at 35, and she had been incarcerated for six months, so her body had, for the first time, really fully detoxed from the heroin, pretty much, after four or five months. So she, for the first time, she was at choice, and we walked away from that experience of talking with her, having her say for the first time, I can see all this human feeling work that I will need to go through to get on the other side of this trauma, or I can just use heroin the rest of my life. And heroin's been pretty good for 15 years. You know, it's the first time she's ever been in jail. She's pretty much held a job. I mean, you know, they're functioning heroin addict. So, but she had this light bulb moment of, I now get to have a choice. And everything changes when we know we have a choice. Yes. And and that, I guess, is the thing that I'm most grateful for in my life, is I do know I have a choice. (laughs) And I can gleefully watch myself make the exact wrong choice. You know, like, you're like, wow, there I go again. But it's very empowering to have a
1: A choice. choice. Right. I do have a choice. You know, when I was 15 or 16, and I wish I could remember what generated this, but I I don't have any memory of it, of what led up to me writing like a thousand times. Probably it was fifty, mm. but it's like mm. yeah, right. a thousand times. I always have a choice. well, wow. I always have a choice, <clears throat> and i and so clearly, there was something that happened mm-hmm. but i and and you know, for whatever reason, either I blocked it out, or it may have been nothing all that big, but it just the light bulb went mm-hmm. on, you know, but I remember I can see in my mind's eye. This notebook, you know, that I was that I wrote. I always have a choice. I always have a choice. I always have a choice, over and over and over and over again. And literally, my, you know, one of my guiding life models since from the age of sixteen has been: you always have a choice. For me and everybody else, you always have a mm. choice. It is your choice to do the right thing or to hide or to cheat or to um you know, play small. You you always have a choice. And you always have a choice, so that means whatever you chose five years ago you can make a difference. You can right choose
2: today. I can yeah, exactly. You know,
1: so what you chose at age what your um the woman in the jail chose at fifteen based on what she knew at the time and what she had available to her,
2: she doesn't have to make that same choice at 40. And she didn't know. I think we go through periods in our lives that we don't even know we're making choices. Right. And no yeah. choice
1: is a choice. We know
2: that, but we don't know that until we know right. that, yes. Yes.
1: And All so, right. you know, the universe provides for us based on what we most deeply believe and... um and so, if we if we're not programming a new choice, the default yes. is whatever the old choice has been for the longest, or the choice that we have the most emotion about, right. positive or negative. Right. So, if I'm afraid of something, and that's what's in that's that has a strong emotion for me, I'm probably going to attract that mm-hmm. because I'm not focusing. I was gonna say equal, but equal plus. I'm not focusing attention on what I want to experience or how the qualities I want to express in my life.
2: And in and in in that time that we don't have a choice, having conversations brings that choice alive. That's why I think it's so important to have conversations with people about deeper things, you know, <laughs> it's deeper than, like, deeper. who won on the reality deeper.
1: show, or, or what happened on the reality show, or who won on
2: American, <laughs> American Idol, or uh, okay. although the voice, don't start me on the voice, I do like the voice, but anyway, uh, it, you know,
1: and I I think, it, yes. I think people can watch all of those, yes, in, it's a balance, in, for entertainment, mm-hmm. but when that's all, when you, that's your life, right. It's like, yeah, you're not having the kind of conversations that lead you to your sacred self or lead you to expressing your sacred self.
2: Yes. And, you know, strangely enough, if we all had the opportunity, we would not usually use this word with jail, but jail is an opportunity to have 24-hour period after 24-hour period after 24-hour period where, you really are at complete choice in what you do with that 24-hour period. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to prepare a meal. You don't have to get a child to school. You don't have to go to work. You don't have to. And so I'm constantly reminding the women, observe what you do with your, you know, 16 hours that you're awake. What are you doing? You know, the TV is constantly on in the jail. There's closed captions, so they never get to listen to it, sadly. It's not strange. But anyway, so the TV is always on to something, so that's a choice. They can do each other's hair, which they love to do, which that's a choice. They can play cards. They do have cards, so that's a choice. And then they have, in our pod, they have their AA books, their Bibles, their spiritual books, their homework from the classes, their anger management worksheet. And so they have that choice. And then they have the choice. They always have safe people. We call them buddies, safe people. Everybody has an identified peer that is their person that they can connect with and share stories with and be you know, in reflection and conversation with. So those are kind of the choices that they have.
0: Exercise. Not much that.
2: The the officers won't let them exercise. If they go on their bunk and they try to do anything, it's seen as a possible, you know, trying to incite a riot. We have structured exercise on our pod, where we actually do yoga once a week with them. Fabulous. In the Dallas County Jail, can you imagine yoga? And we have exercise once a week in a structured class setting, but they can't just start doing jumping jacks. God forbid what might happen. But... um. (laughs) Anyway, um, so to be aware of how they're choosing to spend their time is really one of the core things we try to get them to look at first, you know. Am I just drawn to the TV set? That would be me. I'd be watching the closed caption, you know, all the, you know, or am I drawn to my safe person and wanting to dive deeper and talk more, or am I drawn to my homework and my books, you know, and over time... Why am I drawn to that? And this is the next question. What is my comfort with the TV or my comfort with doing hair, which is, you know, a reasonable thing to do? And then what happens when I'm trying to move more towards reading my N.A. book? What do I feel when I start moving into some of these more positive choices? And I'm very aware in just my personal life right now, making some positive choices, that's very really uncomfortable. You know, how strange is that? How sad is that? And how should we just feel a moment of sadness? When things, you know, when I'm moving into some direction of good, I react and, oh, no, this can't be happening.
1: Or the Gosh. story you make up about, yeah, that's going to be blocked this way or that way or, mm-hmm. um, yeah.
2: It's so easy, easy, unfortunately, easy to do. But the awareness and then the awareness is so important. And helping the women see the awareness and then push through that. Okay, well, it's uncomfortable because it's new it's different and you don't believe you deserve it. All these things but keep doing it. Keep doing it. The right. repetitive nature of it makes it more familiar. You understand the world doesn't fall apart if things go well for me, you know. <laughs> yeah. Then you begin that, to change yes. the
1: under, yes. under-belief. Yes. Yeah. And and um, what I'm very aware of as I'm listening to you is that, you know, yeah, this applies. it. The women in the jail provide an easy example, um, and, you know, it's really quite embarrassing when my life motto is you always have a choice, and then I think <laughs> a couple of days ago I realized I had sat in front of my computer playing either Free Cell or Mahjong I love free cell. for four hours. Oh, my. When I had, you know, and I have a long list of things <laughs> to, to be working on. And it was like, oh, but just one more game. Oh, but just one more game. Oh. I love it. Oh. And, oh, uh, wow, that was 45 minutes ago. Uh, well, now I'm on the roll. Let's see if I can get this score, you know? Great. And then you go, oh, it's been two and a half hours. I have to stop. Tracy, stop. What are you doing with your time? And then it's an hour later because I'm just going to play one more game. I'm like, this is what it feels like to be addicted. A heroin addict. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Just it's not an illegal drug or alcohol. It's like, oh, you know. And realizing that it was very interesting when when this happened a few days ago, because the other part, there was a part of me that said, when I started playing, it was for a good reason. I really did need like a fifteen or twenty minute break. I needed to shift my brain energy. Because I have been working on com- on the computer for several hours, right. and I, I needed to get up and stretch, and I also just needed to shift my brain so I could go work on something else. So if I were in control of myself, I would have done that, played a game on the computer for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe even 30, and then... You know, Return back to it. And your, then yeah. switch to, or yeah, go, on, go back to the project I was working on and switch to something that was productive that needed to be done. Yeah, but almost four hours. And, you know, and you think, stand up, walk away from the computer, break the cycle, mm-hmm. right? And I did that. I, in that four hours, I got up at least three or four times. Mm-hmm. And came right back to it. And came back and, you know... Start it again. It's like, okay. So I think that is what happens to us in our lives. We don't allow the sacred self to leave. We are caught up in the human experience, but this whole idea of choosing, choosing freedom, choosing love, choosing balance, choosing harmony, choosing what will ultimately bring me peace. And at the same time, you know, living through the human experience of life. So we're all in jail. It's just some of us. <laughs> so true. You know, we're all in jail. Just some of us are in a building that has jail on it and maybe bars or if there are no bars, we can't get out of our own choice. Ah, oh, so we're true. we an mm-hmm. area. Yeah. Um, But we
2: create our own jail. Oh, so true. So true. And, you know, the same idea I could spend this week looking at the choices I make. Do I hit the snooze alarm one more time or do I choose to get up and go and sit and meditate? Do I, you know, choose to, you know, take that one extra bite and eat that one more thing that I really don't need to eat or do I choose to walk away and take a walk around the block, you know, and to become aware of my choices You know, that's the old thing. Awareness is the first step to any change. Unless I'm aware, uh, I saw a woman this morning who has this sort of real high level of OCD going on in her mind, but she'd never spoken of it before, so she wouldn't allow herself to be fully aware of it until we speak it and really, you know, acknowledge it. We're just, it's operating us. But now she's aware of it. Now she has some choices. So that awareness spending just a week in kind of fact finding of how am I living my life could be very curious. If I want to change be it. Could be curious. Or you know, it could be devastating. It could be frightening. Oh, I, I don't know. But let's choose to be curious. <laughs> and, and and I like to help other people do that. I've noticed, you know, I'll help other people be aware of themselves. That's so you know, I it's think very that's my gift I think that's morning. my gift. My sister, I've helped her for years try to be aware of her language. I think that's really you know important that I'm helpful in that way. Do you think she finds that helpful? Not so much.
1: And it's essentially, <laughs> um, yeah, when you're being help you meaning any you any of us when you, you know we're being helpful to other people and we're not looking in the mirror.
2: That's a lot easier. Exactly right to look yeah. at her. It's much life.
1: easier to see whatever it is unfolding, expressing in someone else's life. And even if I know it's expressing in my life, that does not mean I'm giving you permission to bring it to my attention.
2: Speak <laughs> it, it to me. Yeah. Uh,
1: you know, am I ready to make the changes in my life that reveal more and more of my sacred self?
2: Sometimes. But not always. <laughs> not all the time. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, the old adage of you know, my sister is a good example in terms of language that's very um, glass half empty. And I notice that my irritation with that comes and goes. And, again, the 12-step wisdom talks about, you know, whatever I see in someone else is going on with me if I'm irritated by it. If I just have a casual awareness of it, oh, gosh, there she goes again. Then that's a casual awareness. That's fine. But if I had this reaction of, oh, my gosh, one more time, how could she say that? I am so sick of hearing that. This is the most, oh, how could I live through this car experience? That reaction has something to do with me, and that's just a true truth. And for me to look at and watching over the years how I've reacted to my sister saying glass half empty, you know, as an indicator of my own personal program.
1: Mhm. Whatever's going on in my life right, right. now, right, um, and my sense of being full or not full—it's
2: in that particular example. And I'm no good to anyone, really, ultimately, because I like to think I'm good to everyone, but I'm really no good to, it, you know, bringing that to her attention in a way that's useful can only come from a space when I'm not in my own stuff, and it, and I've noticed when I've spoken of that with her, it does change from, you know, obviously, from when I'm speaking from a point of irritation or just shut up, you know, from a point of, gosh, you know, when I talk negatively or when I'm feeling that way, you know, to be able to kind of gently ease into something different. And 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 then it's
1: just an offering. Right. Um, When I do um, diversity work with corporations and uh, leaders, one of the things that we that I often find myself sharing is, you know, people don't know what to say. Someone has told a joke and it's like borderline or it's really inappropriate in the workplace. And it's not, you know, they didn't use any profanity and maybe even they didn't even use a racial slur or an ethnic slur, but it was still inappropriate, right? And so people don't know what to say. They right. in their mind they go ooh that crossed the line or ooh they, I wish they hadn't said that but they don't know what to say so I have a, a, a four step process that helps people figure out where they can come from mm. and what they can say but one of the dividing lines is you know really just ask your quest ask yourself is what they said illegal well, or right. is it just insensitive. And a lot of times it's just insensitive, and they may be talking from that place of they just don't even know that that's right. insensitive. And so if it's insensitive, you know, you you can just inform them, you can educate them, you can say, wow, you know, you're not calling them to action. You're just putting new information in front of them. Right. Or you're stating your feeling about it, but not, you know, you're not saying you got to change this, you're wrong and that. If, it's, if they said something that's actually illegal or some against a rule or you know directly, it does include a specific racial slur or something. Mm-hmm. Then that's more. Then you can be instructional, and I what you know you uh, can say that is, you know we we don't do that in this organization. And what happens is most of the time we want to come from instructional, telling people what to do. When ninety five
2: percent of the time we should just be giving them information, do with it what you want. That's interesting to stop and ask that question. Yeah. Oh, nice, Tracy Brown. So,
1: our time is just about up for your sacred self. Any quick closing comments about your sacred self and that
2: this week? I'm going to be aware of my choice to get up, not hit that snooze button, and meditate. That's going to be my tapping into my choice.
1: Well, that's a good choice. <laughs>
2: You you, Tracy
1: Brett. I affirm that choice. Do you have a choice
0: you're going to make? Um, no. Not
1: really. <laughs> I'm going to journal, though. I'm going to oh, journal the next journal. couple of days nice. about my sacred self and what is that and how is it showing up. Oh, I like and that. Where, where I am love I holding, that. And where am I holding that? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use my sacred self as my journaling uh, prompt this week. Oh, I love that. And that's all the time we have. So, uh, please, thanks for joining us, and please join us again. You can always check the uh, website to see what our topic Until then, say yes, yes to the spirit. spirit.